Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for May 12th, 2022. The recent CPI report shows that inflation is still at record levels, but at a slightly lower level than the previous month's report. Nationwide's Deputy Chief Economist Brian Jordan and Senior Economist Ben Ayers take a closer look at the CPI report. What sectors are impacted the most? Where do we see some relief? How is this cycle different than previous inflations? And what's the outlook for the months ahead? And now, here's Brian Jordan. The Consumer Price Index rose by just 0.3% in April as energy prices declined by 2.7%. The core rate, though, was up by 0.6%. That's stronger than expected and now is up by 6.2% on a year-over-year basis. So, Ben, what do we take away from these figures? Well, I think, unfortunately, the biggest takeaway is that inflation is still running quite hot. At least it was through April. You know, much of what drove the slower increase for the overall CPI was actually energy, which pulled back over the course of April. And unfortunately, as anyone who's gone out to the pump recently has seen, it's back to the highs and actually at record levels for gasoline prices. So unfortunately, that was more of a one-time drop and we'll probably see a bounce back in energy costs when we look at the May numbers that will come out in a month from now. But overall, continued lots of inflationary pressure, particularly as you mentioned on the core side, and we saw a huge jump in the services side led by airline fares as we've seen you know that sector bounce back and a lot of demand for travel again over the course of this year but particularly focusing on the shelter costs so i I guess brian when you look at some of these key categories uh, you know what jumped out to you and what does that mean for especially the next couple months when we look at the the inflationary figures that we might get i think there are a couple of things that that stick out here first of all rents which you mentioned, up by 0.5%. This was the biggest increase in owner's equivalent rent since 2006. And we've had a really rapid acceleration in these prices. We tend to see very slow acceleration in owner's equivalent rent, which is a big chunk of the CPI, over 20% of the headline CPI, over 30% of the core, we tend to see 0.1% increases very slowly give way to 0.2, very slowly give way to 0.3, so on and so forth. We've seen a very rapid pickup in this cycle, though. Uh, We had seven months of gains of 0.4%, and here this month we have a gain of 0.5%. We don't want to overstate it too much if we take it out one extra decimal place at 046 But there's clearly a more rapid acceleration um, going on here than we've had in previous cycles. Just uh, over a year ago, we were seeing gains along the lines of 0.2% per month. So a very rapid pickup there. Rents in the CPI or as measured within the CPI are still rising at a slower rate than they are in other rent price metrics like the apartment list rent price index, for example. So there's still some upside here. So this really sticks out as an area of, of continued upside risk from here. The other thing that, that, that really sticks out is the transition, the ongoing transition from goods price inflation to services price inflation. So last year we saw, because of supply chain issues, a lot of big increase 
increases on the good side of the CPI. Used cars, for example, were a big driver of last year's inflation rate. This time around here for April, at least, uh, we continue to see used car prices declining. Um, they were down for, for a third straight month, not down quite as much in April as in March. Um, but we saw services prices picking up um, and most notably airline fares, uh, which were up by 10.7 percent in March, were up by 18.6 in April. So we're seeing that reopening trade happening as um, Omicron faded over the last couple of months. The last vestiges of the lockdowns came to an end and restrictions on business activity came to an end. Uh, we're seeing travel pick up, uh, uh, lodging away from home, which is largely hotels and motels, also up strongly in April. So we're kind of seeing a handoff here from goods prices to services prices, uh, perhaps a, a, an event as well or a trend as well that uh, suggests some near term upside risk. Goods are only 30 percent or nearly 40 percent of the CPI services, a little bit over 60 percent of of the CPI. So if we think about that and think about these recent trends, Ben, what can we say about how inflation has developed to this point um, over the course of the past year? Early in 2021, we had an inflation rate below 2 percent. Uh, now, even with a small tick down in April, we're at 8.3 percent on the headline CPI. What can we say about where inflation might go from here, given how we've gotten to this point? Well, I think you're exactly right with your your comments you just walked through. I mean, much of what we've seen over the past year has largely been supply chain based and, and obviously with a huge impact from COVID. You know, we've seen recently that those trends have been extended by first the, the war in Ukraine and then re most recently some of those COVID lockdowns in China. And that kind of pushes out the supply chain impacts, but we're already seeing improvement there. Uh, and even with some of the delays that we've seen over the past couple of months, some continued improvement. Now we're seeing what we call disflationary pressure across many goods prices. We've seen metals prices come down very sharply over the past couple of weeks uh, on mainly concerns about slower global growth, particularly from China. Um, we've seen lumber prices come down. And so across the board, we're seeing, as you mentioned, a transition away from the goods inflation over towards the services side. This is something we've been expecting, and I think we're finally seeing that in the numbers. Now, yet again, a little bit delayed because of some of the recent events than maybe we thought it would have been at the beginning of the year, but certainly we're seeing this play out that we're seeing much more costs on the services side, and that just harkens back to the labor market. Uh, labor market is very tight. We're down to 3.6% for the unemployment rate. We've seen wage gains across many sectors well above trend in some cases the highest in several decades and as those higher labor costs are pushing through into businesses we're seeing more and more businesses have to raise prices as a result it's not just inputs it's now labor side and kind of both those factors pushing up costs we get data from the national federation for independent business that showed that more than 70 percent of small businesses were raising selling prices and roughly half were expecting to continue to raise selling prices in the months ahead so as that continues to play out particularly on the services side we're seeing a lot of upward inflationary pressure for many of those services side and i think that's our risk uh, when we look ahead you know i think we will see that those supply chain pressures will ease We'll see pullbacks continued with the goods prices, particularly you mentioned used cars, but I think across the board, we're going to continue to see those prices come down and shift over to the services side. We already saw that services 
overall services within the core inflation was up about 5% over the past year, the fastest since 1990. And I think we're going to continue to see that upper pressure. Um, Brian, yet again, as we as we look forward here, you know, the key question is not just what the Fed is doing, but how much impact the Fed is going to have. Can you walk us through really, you mentioned some of the key areas that are applying continued pressure. Um, at what point will we see those impacts and, and at what point will that start to have an impact on these inflationary trends? Well, it's a great question because the historical trend is not really so encouraging in this regard. So we've heard from the Fed throughout this spring about uh, its intention to continue raising short-term interest rates, reducing the size of its balance sheet uh, in order to, to bring inflation down, in order to, to fight these, um, these price pressures. However, if we look back over the course of the last 50 years, we see that in every tightening cycle, every Fed tightening cycle going back to the early 1970s, the inflation rate actually rose during those periods. The inflation rate didn't fall um, during Fed tightening cycles, but during every tightening cycle um, since the early 1970s, the inflation rate actually moved higher. And that's because inflation shows up with a lag and monetary policy hits with a lag. Um, and there is considerable momentum going into these periods. Um, there are feedback loops that are strengthening on the positive side that continue to push the economy and demand higher, and so continue to push price pressures higher. The one thing that should give us some encouragement, though, is that this is a very different inflationary event than we have seen historically. This is very much born of a supply shock driven by the pandemic and more recently to, to some degree dri driven by the war in Eastern Europe. At some point, the supply shock is going to fade. And as you alluded to, in many respects, the supply shock is already fading. We've seen numerous signs. You mentioned some of them. We've also seen the big increase in inventories um, in recent months. We're seeing a great restocking across the economy, across many sectors within the economy. Transportation costs are coming down. We don't see the backlogs at ports that we were seeing um, late last year and early this year. So there has been substantial supply chain healing. Now, unfortunately, we've gone from one shock to another. We've got COVID cases rising in China, and China is a key cog in global supply chains, and, and that's um, um, causing some issues in, in U.S. prices as well. And of course, the war, which we mentioned um, as well, and its impact on energy prices and, uh, and, other, and other commodities. Um, so we, we've continued to have these idiosyncratic drivers pushing inflation higher. You know, that provides some encouragement that as those idiosyncratic drivers fade, as they inevitably fade, eventually COVID, or at least COVID's impact on the economy will fade. I think to a large degree, that's already happening. And in fact, we see that within these numbers. That transition um, from goods inflation to services inflation is a reflection of the fact that consumer demand is rebalancing. Two years ago, one year ago, even to a large degree, we weren't spending so much on services. We weren't traveling so much, but we were spending a lot on goods. We were stuck in our homes. We weren't going out as much. Now we're seeing that society is normalizing, and so demand is rebalancing, and that's taking some pressure off those supply chains. Uh, so we're already seeing some of that effect and we'll continue um, to see it as this year progresses, especially um, as COVID inevitably fades in China as, as well. 
If we go back to the last major inflationary event in the, that began in the 1960s and ran into the early 1980s, that was much more of an endogenous and organic inflationary event uh, driven by uh, strong money supply growth from the Federal Reserve, very accommodative policies for a long time from the Fed. It was exacerbated by a couple of supply shocks, the oil shock of the early 1970s, the second oil shock of the late 1970s, but we had an, a much more organic rise in inflation during that period. At that time, prices were rising very broadly for the same reason, uh, because of um, um, aggressive, accommodative Fed policy. Now, we could see the same thing brewing here. The Fed has been accommodative for much of the last couple of years as well, but inflation hits with a lag, and so we wouldn't have expected to see nearly this much this quickly into the cycle. We're just a little over two years now into the expansion that began in early 2020. In fact, we can go back just to the end of the last cycle, which ended in 2020 uh, when COVID hit, and see that the labor market was very tight. The Fed had pursued a very accommodative policy for a long time. At that time as well, the jobless rate at 3.5% after many years of labor market tightening, and still the inflation rate was just roughly 2.5% at that time, nowhere near the 8.3% rate that we see today. So there is still substantial scope for inflation to come down from here, even uh, considering the upside risks, the near-term upside risks that we've talked about, the transition to services, the fact that services make up a bigger portion of the CPI, the big increases we've seen recently in rents, and the potential perhaps for rent, for rent increases to accelerate a bit more from here in, in the coming months. Even considering those near-term upside risks, there is substantial scope for the inflation rate to come down as we have more of an organic price pressure environment taking hold once these idiosyncratic drivers inevitably fade. So with that, we will conclude. Thank you, Ben, uh, for being with us today, and thank you all for your time. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.